everybody. Welcome to the Kill Your Gods podcast. My name is Jesse Graham. I am your host this week and every week where we pick apart the things we love. And this time we're talking about pop punk again, again. <laughs> yeah, my name is Jesse Graham. Uh, we brought on some special, I say we, even though I'm the only host of this podcast. Don't ask me why, I just do. Our guests this week are Steve and Chris from the High School Never Ends podcast, HSNE. We're just talking about pop, uh, pop punk for this episode, but they talk about pop punk every episode. I recommend, in particular, the My Chemical Romance episode and the Good Charlotte episode. I found both of them very, very good. Worth checking out. This episode, we will be talking about yellow card brand new and newfound glory we also discuss who are the big four of pop punk i have mine they have theirs let's check it out if this is if you just happen to wander into this podcast we discuss fandoms uh even stuff we really really like and we just try to nitpick it a little bit you know give it a little give it a little shit sometimes we do books previous pop punk episode episode one with uh what do we have it was blink 182 and messed, and I'm gonna pause. And simple plan. How could I forget them? They're the worst ever. Um, but yeah, we we like nitpicking things. And this one, I feel like we didn't nitpick as much. I I cracked a few jokes about uh, brand new and newfound glories indiscretions. Well, yeah, I got them in a little bit of trouble, but worth checking it out. Check out the High School Never Ends podcast. If you like this one, we're doing it. Please like, subscribe, rate, and review. We have an episode coming next week on New Metal. I am very excited for. It'll be the same uh, kind of basic format where we're going to try to do three bands and review the songs piece by piece. You can find me at Jesse Dram on Reddit, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Venmo at Jesse Dram. Hey, what's up? Send me an email at jessedram at gmail.com. Let me know what you want. That's enough of my yak, and here we are again. H-S-N-E Podcast Pop Punk Part 2. Oh, wait. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Pop Punk Part 2. gonna pop your punk. So much that my mom doesn't like me. It's the safe form of punk and the lame book of porn. And it's the kill your god show. Whoa, whoa. Pop punk number two. It is the kill your gods podcast. I am Jesse Dram, your host. I realize I don't need to do this because I record an intro, so you don't need to know that. My guest this week from the high school never ends a pop punk dad podcast, Steve and Chris. How are you doing, guys? What's up? It's actually Wingman Steve. I don't usually go by my last name just because I don't want the people tearing down my front door and, you know, fan fangirling and boying me. But that's OK. Um, it's out there. Everybody knows who I am. Okay, I'll, I'll edit the last name out. I, that will take nothing. <laughs> no, okay. no, 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 leave it in because I want that to happen to him uh, specifically. <laughs> okay, so. so yeah, um, before we get started, let us know where we can find you guys on social media, anything you have to promote. 
Uh, super easy at HSNE pod, like high school never ends pod and at HSNE pod.com. You can, um, you know, listen to our show on any of the, the podcast networks, anywhere you do download podcasts and anything else that you need is there. We got like YouTube stuff and merch and, um, you know, all that good stuff on the website. Nice. All right. Well, so before we uh, get too into it, we're here to talk about pop punk today, pop punk episode number two. We will specifically be discussing yellow card, brand new, and newfound glory. But before we do that, let's talk about how you how you guys started the podcast, what made you want to get into it, and let's just talk about our general background with pop punk and how we came around to it. Well, I'll start about I'll start talking about the podcast, Steve. You can take the uh, the part about getting into pop punk, but I think you know for me. I had been doing some podcasting here and there prior to this particular project. And then that kind of just was put on hold. And, you know, it kind of came down to just one fateful night where uh, Steve had called me up. Uh, he was on a business trip and we just started talking about this and that. So obviously, we share a, uh, a love for this kind of music. So we always generally talk about that in the past where we had and uh one of us just said hey uh why don't we just uh put all this conversation on tape and do a podcast and it was kind of history from there we uh we decided to do it we committed and what you know 70 episodes later here we are wow yeah yeah it was it was a drunken idea for sure um uh, kind of like a hey man we should do a podcast <laughs> like that's that's basically what it was except i think it was i think it went down through text messaging uh so there wasn't any voice inflection but mm. yeah man when when two grown men who have children still love blink 182 and can talk about blink 182 and other bands uh, mm. a whole lot um you know that's just kind of what happens hmm. so do you guys have you had a favorite episode so far one that like really sticks out well, the show has um, kind of evolved since we started it. You know, we we kind of started it as like let's let's talk about like nostalgic stuff. Like so, the pop punk from the late '90s and early 2000s. Let's let's talk about this niche genre of music that most people hate that we really love. Um, and then it, it evolved a little bit. So we had all these bands reach out to us and say like, "Hey, can we come on your show? People making music now." Mm. And then we started reaching out to through COVID, like everybody's sitting at home. So we started reaching out to like some national recording artists and being like, "Hey, you want to come on the podcast?" And uh, and a handful of them said yes. So we've had really cool guests. We had uh, Tim Rogner from Alistair. We had Sean Harris uh, from The Matches. Chris Fafalios from Punchline. Um, uh, Victoria Asher from Cobra Starship, just to name a couple. So oh. some of those big ones where it's like, I paid money to watch you play, and now we're talking on our show. Those are probably some of my favorite. And and for me, even though I love the interviews, I, I do, I do, but they're not my favorite. Uh, I'm not an interviewer at heart. I love to just talk about what I like to talk about. Mm. So the album spotlights where we just deep dive into one album in particular our first one being Green Day Dookie, which was one of my favorites of all time, just because it's it's so refreshing to be able to go back to something that you loved and listened to, and even sometimes something you never did listen to, but is in this genre, and just talk about it song by song and give your thoughts and opinions, and sometimes Steve and I agree, sometimes sometimes we don't. See, it's uh, so you you said that like uh, albums you didn't listen to. I have actually been on a deep dive lately, and it's so you know how some things, whether it be like on YouTube or Google, are just like unsearchable, ungoogleable. There's just no real term for it. 
I am trying to find bands who sounded like Thursday saves the day came out of that New Brunswick era a little bit post pop punk, but not entirely screamo. It's it's such a micro genre, but like they there's a certain like jangliness to the guitars that just bring me back to 2004 in a way that's really hard to describe. And it seemed like so much of the music coming out of that time, like bands I will not ever, ever remember. But what what, what I'm doing is I am catching up on all the bands that were on uh, the t-shirts of the like hipster girls that I could not get with. That's what's <laughs> happening now. Yeah, I mean, if you want to look at some of that stuff, oh, try record labels, you know, there's mm. the whole like New York, New Jersey, like DIY punk scene or whatever you want to call it, emo scene, that like, you know, second wave, if you will, post 2004. I don't know what the hell you would search for either, but mm -hmm. uh, I would start with maybe like record labels, look at look at some of their their bands and, and someone's got a playlist on Spotify somewhere. So yes, so, yeah, uh, New, the, New the, Jersey jangly emo. Mm -hmm. well, the Spotify playlists are so fucking annoying because then like you can be looking for pop punk and all of a sudden like there's a Taylor Swift thing in there. I do not trust the person who is curating this, but you know what's actually <laughs> Chris, Chris had to what? slip. Yeah, yeah. Well, she is pop punk to a certain degree. I mean, I think we can all agree on that, right? Oh, yeah. I remember when she had that folk album come out, a lot of people were trying to say it was like a white supremacist <laughs> album. What? In some way, I don't know. It was like, see, she's getting she's getting back to her, her white folk roots. No. No. <laughs> no. Oh, but I was going to say, the thing that's actually helped me with that, there is a website that has, like, the full touring history of bands on there. So, like, go to them in their early days and find out who they're touring with. Like, that's mm -hmm. how I really got in there. But so what was your what was your guys personal relationship to like pop punk as you were like growing up? What was like the first thing that really grabbed you and hooked you in? Well, Steve, I think we may agree on this, right? I don't know. We'll, we'll have go different first. experiences. Um, I don't think anyone's going to disagree mm -hmm. on how you like the music, but. I Actually, mean, we're separated Siamese twins, so we got in at the exact same moment. <laughs> um, I mean, the first that I ever heard of it was probably was, had got to have been Green Day, but I think what had like really hooked me in was was Blink One Eighty Two. I mean, mm -hmm. they, you know, Enema of the State just like exploded, and I, I think I picked up my interest in them like right before that with um, with the, the song "Damn It" and and Dude Ranch, mm -hmm. but like really close to when en Enema of the State came out, and. That one just just blew up, and I went. You know, I'm one of those kids who like I collected shit, and when I got into something, I went backwards, right? So if I got Enema of the State first, I've got Dude Ranch and Cheshire Cat, and I'm trying to look around and find Buddha. Where's fucking Buddha? What is that? <laughs> what is Fly Swatter? Um, but it, it, yeah, it had to have been Blink 182, 100. percent Yeah, and I, I think well, first of all, I think that was a demonstration of how I made a statement that was correct, and and Wingman Steve uh, told me that I wasn't correct. And said it probably wasn't true and then came back and said exactly what i thought he was going to say because i knew that it was going to be blink 182. Mm -hmm. i knew it was going to be blink 182 because that's what got me into it as well yeah see yeah. all right well you brought up one of the things me and steve were discussing when you have trouble getting on chris was uh when i made the suggestion to you guys of we only try to do try to pick two pop punk bands to discuss and then only one of the big four i define the big four as Sum 41, Blink-182, Good Charlotte, and Newfound Glory, which Steve said 
I don't agree with that at all. And uh, we had some crosswords for a second there, but we managed to patch things up just before you got back on. But you brought up Green Day in there. Here's the thing. it's <laughs> Green Day is like quantum to me in that they are definitely pop punk. I do not consider them pop punk. And what I mean is just like, they came such out of, uh, they came up in the same time as like alternative rock was still in its ascendancy with uh, Smashing Pumpkins, Gin Blossoms and the like. So even though they were definitely proto pop punk, I just don't associate them with that scene at all because they were so much earlier. In the same way, I'm doing a new metal episode next week and I don't really consider System of a Down a new metal band, but they're, they came up at such the same time that it's hard to distinguish. Oh, are they considered new metal? It very much because there there are similarities in like the way like their songs are put together, the way they down tune their guitars, but there's so much but they just toured with all those bands. The other thing if they're not new metal, what the fuck are they? I could never answer that question. Yeah. No. Uh, I think you, you listen you have a, a you have a, a definitely a valid point like Green Day was a couple of so Green Day and the Offspring right those mm-hmm. there and the Offspring maybe even a little bit before Green Day Offspring started in the late 80s but mm-hmm. like so these are bands that were like punk pop punk before like pop punk really became a thing I I think Green Day kind of started the pop punk movement but they kind of grew out of it into this mainstream alternative act but I, I think, you know, if, if there's a if there's a top four, a big four, if you will, you know, Blink-182 has to be on there. I think Green Day has to be on there. Um, the other two, um, Good Charlotte, it, you know, we've had a recent episode discussion on this. I think the, the pop punk community is split between hating Good Charlotte and loving Good Charlotte. But they definitely were a, 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 mainstream, a mainstream breakout. Um, hey, here's the thing. I, I, I love Good Charlotte. They kind of stink. There's no way around. But like, I, th- I, I think Fallout Boy's got to be on. Fallout Boy's got to be top four, big, uh, big four, right? They're like, they're 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 too close to the emo side for me. Where much like System of a Down, so much of the music coming out at the same period of Fallout Boy had gone emo. That even though I think they're more pop punk than emo, I I associate them with the used and My Chemical Romance. But isn't pop punk in general emo? Isn't there a lot of emo in pop punk anyway? There's a lot of overlap. Um, so here's, uh, I would actually consider my thing, the big four of pop punk without what I'm about to say. Um, are you guys aware of the punk rock NBA on YouTube, YouTube channel? I haven't watched any of this stuff, but I've heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. 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 So it's really good. This guy does deep dives on like how bands got big and a lot of cool videos. Can't recommend it enough, but he had an episode on the big four of pop punk and the interesting methodology he used was he tried to use an exact corollary to the big four of uh, thrash metal, which was Metallica, Megadeth, Slayer, and Anthrax. So he was actually trying to like, the, it wasn't just like, these are the big four pop punk. It was like, this is the Blink-182 is the Metallica. Uh, I think Good Charlotte was like the Anthrax because like they were kind of jokey and not everybody really liked them. But so he landed on the same four, but he was using more of that methodology to pick them out. Got it. I think it also depends on what you consider. What do you consider big? Like what makes them one of the big? Is it record sales? Is it people that that know them? I think, is that a gray area? It was Newfound Glory never really transcended into mainstream at all. Not where I'm from. Like they were, they were, that's the fucked up thing is really at the time, just because we were still dealing with like 
proto internet. I don't even think MySpace was particularly big yet, but uh, I could only go by what the kids in my school were listening to. And I would definitely say if we were talking pop punk, it would have to be, you know, th- those four. I mean, what other metric did you really have at the time? Who toured together? Uh, right. How many shirts were available? At who Hot got Topic? to be on the main stage at Warp Tour? Who is who played last at Warp Tour? Point, that's that's point. how you made it big. I never went to a Warp Tour, and really? I don't know why. I don't know why. I, I was an Ozfest kid. Okay. Well, yeah. you you probably saved a lot of uh, lung capacity because it's a very dirty tour, and uh, it was fun mm-hmm. though. I enjoyed it. it. It is a lot of like looking back on my teenage self of being like, yes, Jesse, go to the concert with none of the girls. That's right. <laughs> Be around sweaty boys all day and get a skin condition from rubbing against each other during Disturbs Encore. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, man. Yeah. Okay, so. Um, Let's get into the nitty gritty of this. Um, I think we're going to do yellow card, brand new, and then newfound glory. Just to entice people to stay to the end. Um, So yeah, we're going to go down here. I have a little bit of history. Uh, Yellow card, as I always remember them, the band with the superfluous violinist. Although actually looking into it, the violinist... What does superfluous mean? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Unnecessary. Oh, oh, he's killing, he's killing my gods right now. All right, I'm sorry. I interrupt. That's a, interrupt all you want. This show is about interrupting. So here's the thing. It's not, I, I think like on the big song, Ocean Avenue, uh, the violin is very prominent. In almost every other song I listen to, it is, he throws distortion on it and it is indistinguishable from like a guitar lead. I don't know, man. You're, you might be a musician, so... We're not musicians. We're mm. we're just music enthusiasts. I think that the the um, the violin is the opposite of superfluous. I th- I feel like it's very necessary, and the violin is why I got into Yellow Card. Like honestly, mm. when a lot of this stuff was coming up in the late '90s and the early 2000s, and you go to Warp Tour or you know you're you're listening to compilation CDs, like how do you distinguish A from B from C? The 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 non pop punk enthusiast would tell you that all these lead singers fucking sound the same, and it's all power chords, and it's not good music. Dude, I thought it was super fucking cool when they put a violin in there. And if you, I think if you go back to their first album, if you go back to one for the kids. Uh, you'll you'll hear the violin featured probably with less um, production around it, and I feel like they feature it very well. I mean, and then you fast forward to um, the song for you and your denial. That one has its great like violin intro, and okay. I don't know, man. I I love that violin. That's like my favorite. Uh, that's my favorite part about Yellow Card. They got a violinist. Who okay. who's a violinist in a pop punk band? I yeah. I did. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no. Go ahead, Chris. No, I, I'm kind of I'm kind of just of the mind that that the violin didn't necessarily make this band for me. Like I, I think it was fine to have that. I don't dislike it. I think actually in some songs it uh, it works fantastically, and and you hear it, and it's like wow, that's that's pretty cool the way they did that with a violin. But but overall, I think uh, it was it was more in terms of the music that drew me into this band. And one of the things, something you already you just talked about is is that distortion that they use and and i i like that i i thought that that mm-hmm. was i don't know i just love the way that they integrated that into some of the songs and you know one of the ones i like the most I, I think they did a very good job in using that in the intro but i'll hold off on that okay have, have you ever seen them live i i have not and i will say having uh, been introduced to them by like most people through the ocean avenue video i did think it was cool they had a violinist 
but I did. I remember just listening to a few songs of theirs like back in the day and being like, I can't pick out the violin on this track like at all. I know he's there, but I can't figure out what is or isn't violin. Some you can and some you can't because he's yeah. not featured. He's not prominent on every single track, which I think makes it a little mm -hmm. bit that a little bit more special. Um, but when you see him live, Sean Mack and the violinist for Yellow Card, he's fucking insane. And they they they've broken up for a few years now, so you're mm -hmm. not going to see them live together ever again. But you want to go and check out videos. He used to do backflips backflips off their amps. Uh, he would just go crazy. Like you just don't think about a violinist like rocking the fuck out at a punk rock show. And when you see that, it's just like, it's contagious. Like hmm. you, you ever think you're going to be playing like air violin rocking along with <laughs> fucking anything? No, no but, no. but they make it's, you do pretty that. Cool. It, I do think it's always good to have a member of the band who like has less to do that. He can just like <laughs> wig the fuck out. Like, uh, I remember Iron Maiden, they had like guitarists come in and out, but then they got to a point where like their classic guitarists wanted to come back, but they didn't want to fire the new guy they've had for years. So long and short, they have three guitarists now. And the one guy mostly just like does guitar acrobats on stage, which is all the more funny because they're all like 75 years old now. <laughs> or the or the designated dancer. I think his name is Ben Carson from Mighty Mighty Bostones. He's Egg. just a hype man. He That's just dances. <laughs> Uh, so funnily enough, the violinist is the only consistent member through all of yellow card. They changed in and out. Even, uh, Ryan is not the original singer. Well, I think, I mean, ever since they debuted, he's the original. He, he's, there's no other singer on anything that's been recorded. Maybe when I think like they have like high school or something like demos, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Ryan's through most of it. The guitarists kind of went in and out. Um, and, mm. and they had the same drummer for most of their, most of yes. their days until like the very end i think the last album uh lp lp3 he left um, mm, but he was and, always fun yeah and they didn't uh they, they didn't permanently replace him i think they only did touring like guys for the rest of their uh tenure there they released 10 studio albums which kind of blows my mind um and one of the interesting things that one of the, I did not realize Ocean Avenue was their fourth full length they were actually in it for a little bit before they broke out from Jacksonville, Florida, same town as Leonard Skinner. Their first EP was called Midget Tossing. That didn't age well. Um, thing that really shocked me, uh, Ocean Avenue was the second single off that album. Way Away was the one they were trying to make work. And yeah. let's see. Uh, just two more facts here. Fun fact, their bassist for Ocean, Al uh, Ocean Avenue album, Peter Mosley, left after the album was finished to rejoin his old band. He was replaced. However, a year later, he decided he'd made a mistake and asked to be reinstated, which the band let him in, which was pretty cool. And uh, they are currently, well, they've been in the news recently because they are suing the estate of deceased rapper Juice World for stealing a song that really sounds nothing like them. They dropped it. They dropped it after he died. They said well, they... They said they've dropped it temporarily because they don't feel like suing his mother, but yeah, it's funny when we did our episode on yellow card, Chris, do you remember this? We, you know, every time we do an episode, we just post on social media a couple of times and we had people that were like following the hashtag yellow card, like leave, leave a uh, juice, leave juice alone. They like people that were pissed off at, uh, at them for suing Ow. juice world. Yeah. <laughs> I just I thought Juice World was a place where you could go get like really good juices or like mixed stuff with proteins at first. I didn't know that it was a rapper when I first they're, saw this. That, that their Jamba Juice is a primary competition in the in the Midwest. 
I also, if you guys can see the screen, the screen share here, uh, I love this horrible band photo I found of them. That's got to be like Lights and Sounds era, I think, probably. Yeah, there's something, I don't think they had any Christian element behind them, but that, there's something about that that's a little, uh. This, this looks like, yeah. No, sure. you know what this looks like is a, um, it's a troop of magicians that, uh, <laughs> that are going to be touring <laughs> and coming soon. So I like that. If I could yeah. find if I could find you now and reappear you somewhere else somewhere later, <laughs> transform you. Um, yeah, I mean, listen through the through the, the tenure there as a good recap. Um, you know, one for the kids was was really like the the album. I think that people found out about them. They they signed with Lobster Records, so they you know th that was a, a pretty big you know a pretty big smaller record label I think back back then. Um, but they, you know, they also went on a temporary hiatus after their Paper Walls album. So, like, it, about 2007, 2008, they went on, on a, oh, I'm sorry, after, yeah, Paper Walls, which was 07. They took, like, a three, four-year break, and they, like, kind of got back together and put this album out, When You're Through Thinking, Say Yes. So, for me, I was, like, devastated when they, like, kind of broke up or hiatus did, did, did. And then they came back, and they came back, like, with the thunder. And, like, I remember I saw them in the Philly, I saw them three, tw no, twice in three days because they played Electric Factory oh, wow. with All Time Low and they played at Starland Ballroom with All Time Low. And they were like, All Time Low was, you know, they were getting bigger. So Yellow Card's like, they, they don't have, I don't think, I don't know them personally, but they don't have, they're not like egos. Like, it's not like I have to, uh, I have to be the headliner because they've got this history. So mm -hmm. they went as a supporting band and All Time Low had, you know, they were, they were growing up and they were getting big. And All Time um, Low was at an all time high. It's true, yeah. So what do we have queued up here? Well, one of you picked out the song Big Apple Heartbreak. So I figured we would uh, listen to a short clip of that. This this will be the beginning of us not being getting this episode on YouTube, and I am fine with that. All right, we'll do it again. That's loud. Sounds good. Okay, so which one of you uh, picked this song again? Me. That's me. Okay, uh, let me know. Yeah, so why does that one speak to you? All right, I, I gotta say, so I love this this initial album. I don't I don't think it's on our show. We always rank like our favorite albums. I don't I don't think one for the kids is my favorite album, but it's got a lot of super super strong tracks here, and this is one. And honestly, this goes back to a memory of seeing them live in uh, in State College, Pennsylvania at the crowbar and they were just first like getting started like doing their thing they were on tour non-stop i've seen these guys 18 times live it's not a joke I, but in the very beginning they would play these songs that you didn't you know you, there was only this one album and so you knew them or you didn't but so in the middle of this song there's a little drum solo it was a little bit after where we just listened um and it's just just a drum solo and ryan he stops the crowd just while a drum solo is going on and he goes, all right, I want everybody to separate into two sides, okay? Make a line right down the middle of this show while the, you know, the drum's still going on. And he goes, when I come back in, the, the line is, um, where are you? You still have my heart. He goes, when I come back in, I want everybody to just fucking just, just jump into each other. And this was like, you know, I'm, I'm like coming up on 40 now. I'm not doing that mm -hmm. these days. But when I'm like 19... Dude, that was one of the greatest like moments that I can remember at a concert. 
And I'll always have that memory of this song. The song is great, but seeing it live, and they've never played this. They don't play this live. Any, this is like in their back catalog, like a yellow card fan might know it, but the average yellow card listener may not. Um, so that's, that's why I picked this one. Hey, so a pop punk wall of death. I have never heard of such a thing, but that's, but, but it's not like a metal. Actually, I wouldn't say metal. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to say but, anything. Yeah. You said it, it, it was, it was kind of like jumping in. That's yeah. I know. But the thing is that usually at almost all the pop punk shows that I've been to, somebody gets hurt, somebody falls, somebody else puts their hand down to help them pick up. It's a, mm -hmm. it's a friendly, if you get hit in the mosh pit or something like that, you're let out. It's not like a violent thing and there's mm -hmm. some violence and fun to it. Um, so you can just jump in and, and have yeah. fun. And, you know, it's, no it's, it, it's physicality. It's not violence. There you go. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's funny. I have right there in my notes that it has a very neat drum intro. And then obviously you talk about the drum solo in there. Um, yeah, this was right around the time of like the pop punk drummer arms race where like it was Travis Barker. And I do, I do think Travis Barker, I mean, I'm certainly not original in this opinion, but Travis Barker definitely really pumped up a very like kind of i'm trying to think of the word average sound even if you really like blink 182's like songwriting obviously i i feel like pop punk can be very can be very cookie cutter if you don't try hard enough and uh, travis barker was definitely one who made that pop i don't remember the name of the drummer for this band but i was very impressed with his drum work through all this like really really technical stuff in there He's got a weird name. It's like Longinu Parsons the Third, and I always say LP three. And he looks—he had dreadlocks for a long time, but he—if mm -hmm. he didn't have dreadlocks, he looks just like my my best friend. And so I, that's why I only like I know his name because of that. But mm -hmm. I mean, he was always—I I don't know that he like his actual drum work stands out the way that Travis's does. Like Travis, Travis's drum work can make a song. It does. Let me put it this way: it it doesn't stand out. It doesn't stand out in comparison to Travis. It stands out in comparison to all pop punk drummers. I get that. Yeah. Just, um, I have the song. It has a very interesting structure. One of the things I hate about modern rock music so much, and I'd honestly say I hate about modern pop punk, is there's not a lot of dynamic. There's not a lot of like up and down and quiet and loud. I feel like this song is particularly good at that. Good enough that they use that tension and release for a major part of their show of like, you know, we're all going to chill out during this drum solo and then, you know, get the fuck to it when we get back in. That's it. Yeah. That's it. It's a, it's a solid song. And if uh, if you're listening and you don't, you know, you're not a huge Yellow Card fan, check the song out. You can hear by the production value. It was like their first album. So there's not, it doesn't sound overly produced. Like, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's not, it doesn't sound like Ocean Avenue. It's got a little bit of that raw quality to it. Sometimes we always compare it to the dude, the dude ranch, to the blink when it, to the enema. You can tell that there's a difference in the recording style, um, but it's uh, it's solid. Yeah. What everybody else pick? Uh, the, oh, the, the last note I have of it, okay. just because this is a nitpicking thing. Uh, great pop punk rhyme scheme. You still have my heart rhyming with love that fell apart. I'd love to see any instance of any song ever where the word heart does not rhyme with a part, but just put it there. Chris, you have any thoughts on this song? Well, I mean, I, this this one in particular wasn't one that I necessarily uh, focused on, to be honest with you. I, I thought it was fine I uh, for all, all the reasons you guys talked about, but it didn't necessarily stand out to me, for, sh for sure. This wasn't one of the ones that I, uh, I connected with as much. Mm. Okay. Well, uh, you picked the song Only One, correct? I certainly did. Okay. So. Well, let's 
take a listen to what we have there. Can we sing along? You can sing along. Yeah, all the better. Oh, I'm get it lined down. Okay. This is a nice screenshot. I thought you said you were going to sing along. <laughs> I was kidding. This isn't the love, car. I love Ryan P's hair during this era. <laughs> he's got that, like, the, uh, like, frosted tips type deal. This is definitely the era of of the frosted tip dominance where... Yes. You know, I, I will he say puts, that's he like... puts the flower. He puts the flower in the guy's gun. What, is, what, a, what a fucking moment here. He oh, wait a second. He puts the flower in the guy's gun. Maybe, uh, maybe it's not this. That this guy exactly. does not look it's happy close. about that. Yeah. Wait, does he actually? Oh, well, they're blowing bubbles at. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. There's a. F I saw the flower. They I don't think you can actually do that though in real life. I, don't think I would not like recommend that. putting a flower in a fucking national guardsman's gun. You, you can't. Especially not close. in 2021. Right. Oh God! You want to know something horrible? I remember uh, like a year or two ago when there was like some major protest against Donald Trump. And there was a video on CNN of like the protests happening li live. And there was a girl trying to like offer flowers to the police officers. And you could just see like a horde of photographers behind her. And like, as much as I agree with where she's coming from, I had just such a cynical, like, God damn it. She's doing this for her fucking Instagram right now. I was about to say that she, she's like a, an influencer or something. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh yeah, you know how much 2021 has the same aspect of flower power, right? Yeah, let's just remove all that context from it and pretend you're doing anything. I, that's an entirely different rant than I wasn't expecting. Uh, Chris, why did you pick this song? Well, first of all, guys, I'm no romantic. So please don't think that the reason I picked this was because I'm just, I, I'm a romantic guy and I love the message. I think it's nice and I think it, um, I, I it's fun to sing along to in that way. But I think you've already said it, Jesse, in that, you know, the tension release, the slow building, 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 building up to that. I let go, you know, that part that just hits me every time I can sing that in the car. Every time I'm in the car, I don't care who I'm with. I will sing it. And, you know, outside of that, we talked about the intro. We talked about the distortion at the beginning. I love the way that that kind of feeds into that slow, slow intro into the song, the first verse. Uh, it's just a really, really cool song that just hit me as soon as I heard it for the very first time. I, I love this song. One thing that I find very interesting about the song, though, is that when you guys sing along, Chris, do you feel like it's a, like a romantic song? Like you could sing this about like your wife? Or your girlfriend, or your whatever. I, I mean, like I said, I you could. I, I could, yeah. If I if I was kind of sappy like that to do that, but I, I'm I, just not. I think the line that gets lost a lot a lot in this song is at the very end. I let go. Like this is a song about like despair. Like he, she yeah. was the only one, and she's gone. He fucked it up, or somebody fucked it up. So I don't know. I just find that interesting because usually you you would sing this song like "Oh, you're my only one," and nobody thinks about that line. I let go because it's a it's a different sentiment with those three words there. And I think that's relatable in a lot of ways because I think that you know all of us or most of us have had situations like that where you know we've had to let go for one reason or another. So it, it hits. See, I always take the dismissive, like, you know what? This is probably like some high school girlfriend shit. She like her dad got a better job 50 miles away and now he's just making a big thing out of it. 
But then again, I have no uh, love in my life, so there's that. Yes, um, you do. You just got married. <laughs> I know. Love. Do you I know the story about Ryan Key and his marriage? Is I do not. Was... Well, so actually, Ryan you know, Key... real yeah. quick before we get into that, uh, yes. I, I forgot that I found a live version of this song, and this is kind of like potato quality video, but much to what you said about uh, the violinist, this part right here, they are rocking the fuck out and the crowd is losing their mind. And I thought yeah. this was really cool and worthy. Look at that shit. Let's get the back to back. So cool and they're harmonizing together. Like, yeah, that was really something I did not expect. Sorry. Is that like when they were on MTV for, for 20 minutes? <laughs> This was one Probably. of the songs. This was one of those songs where the violin, I think, just fit perfectly. I, really I think do. it worked really well. They're kind of like harmonizing together, like like a dual guitar lead, actually. Yes. yes. You have to be careful when you're air violining, though, because this <laughs> doesn't really look. Never... This it, it could look like something else. You got to be careful. I, I was worried he'd put the guitarist's eye out. That's why I thought you were going with that. Yeah. But yeah, so Ryan Key married this Russian snowboarder who was very famous. Mm. And she um, got into a snowboarding accident and was like, is literally like um, paralyzed from the waist down. Oh and he wrote the song um, One Bedroom about it, about how like he felt. And they're divorced since. I don't know what happened. Unfortunately, he, he stopped returning my texts. But no. um, but you can listen, like you, you hear a lot of, of um, I think it's when you're through thinking, say yes. You hear a lot of stuff about him and his wife there. So I don't know where that fit into the conversation. I just wanted to make everybody know that I, I know Ryan Key very well. No, no, that's interesting. That's interesting. <laughs> um, okay, you know what? We have three minutes before this meeting runs out. We have to jump on another one. I am going to shoehorn this in real quick uh, because this was the one I, I picked just because I was very interested to find out that Ocean Avenue was not the first single from that album. So I pulled up the first single, uh, which was Way Away, which is just shocking to me that they led with this here. We'll just take a quick listen. Wow, such a look at looking at himself. Mm -hmm. Anything. Look at that. Look at the, look look at at the, the violinist. Look at Sean Mackin going nuts. Look at dun, the faux hawks dun, going. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, yeah. Nice. But uh, so, oh, hold on. I still have notes from Game of Thrones that I don't need on a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I've been recording with Perry. We've been slowly watching Game of Thrones for the first time and just recording. Oh, sweet. Um, so I'll give them credit. Uh, I feel like Yellow Card, this is actually, all these songs are very different from their biggest song, Ocean Avenue. Like, I feel yeah. like. This is way closer to where pop punk would be trending the next few years as it got kind of heavier and angstier and turned into emo. So I I'm very curious where they were coming from at that time that they were like a little ahead of the curve where, and also why they would pick that as the first single. It seems more indicative of their sound, well, but it listen, is. I think we all know who picked that as a single. That's not the band. That's a record label move right there. Record, record labels are picking the singles. They. They they're the ones making these choices. I would guarantee it. But I would I mean, way away is a it's a hard song. And when you hear oh, yeah. it live, it is that's the song that he does a backflip on the uh, Sean Mack and the violinist. He does a backflip, or he used to. He used to do a backflip off the amp uh, every single. If they time they reunite. Show. He better get some kind of like Motley Crue spinning Tommy Lee drum kit. I want to see that backflip. He's got like. He's got several kids now. Uh, I follow him on Instagram. He still looks like he's in good shape. Hopefully he can do it. I can't do a black. <laughs> that's for sure. 
Oh god, that would be in this modern day and age if they started uh if they started reuniting, he would probably be posting Instagram every day him working to get his backflip back. Yeah. I've heard some conversation with uh, lead singer Ryan Key. They're not reuniting. They're done. He's never said like necessarily why um, or if there's beef or whatever. But there, he is specific, like very, very clearly stated. We're done. It's not happening. Okay. I'm. This is a mystery now. I want to know what went down between the yellow cards. But I guess that uh, we'll have to wait for the future. I don't know. We'll see. Okay, can you hear that? The this meeting is being recorded. Oh yeah, that started like a week ago, and I don't know why, and I don't like it. And it's bad that I'm doing this because I know it won't come through in the recording. Anyway, so <laughs> let's jump into the the big one, the one that uh, I feel like most people it made most people aware of Yellow Card, certainly me, and that would be the two thousand three, two thousand four. Whatever. Smash hit Ocean Avenue. Let's just take a little listen to the chorus everybody knows. It's a great video, too, where they like redo the same scene over and over. Uh, Not cheesy, but it's great. No, I looked at it almost like uh, like it was a video game and he had different lives. Because you see, every time he dies, dies, he comes back and you see him specifically maneuver around the thing that killed him before. Yep, he learns. Can't you see? He's learning. Um, so was this either of yours, like, first introduction to Yellow Card or were you into them beforehand? Yeah, this was my first. This was uh, what a buddy of mine gave me on a mix CD and said, you have to listen to this band and this is what I heard. And at the time, you know, early 2000s or in this time frame, it hit hard. It was like, yeah, this is awesome. I love this. Uh, this is exactly what we need for our beach trip. Like, it sounds like it fits right in for that. We were on Ocean Avenue. Maybe not, but it's something that maybe maybe resembled that. So it kind of stuck in that way. I have different opinions in terms of how I feel about it now, but I'll let Steve go ahead and give his side of the story. Yeah, I, I got into these guys a little bit beforehand, but obviously this is the first introduction to mainstream, right? This this yeah. cracked like top 40 charts. This was on MTV. This gave Yellow Card. The, the success of this song maybe propelled Yellow Card to be able to continue to be a recording artist the way that they wanted to for many, many years to come. The same way that... You know, I I, um, I got into Fall Out Boy before their, before Sugar Were Going Down, you know, during their first album. But Sugar Were Going Down, whether you love it or hate it or think it's been played to it's death. pop them. Uh, yeah, that, that gave them the ability to keep moving forward. So that's, uh, I'll always have appreciation for Ocean Avenue, um, but I don't think it's their best song. But it's, no. listen, if, if there, there's a band that I love that not many other people like, but they hear that one song, they're like, yeah, they're all singing along to it. I mean, that's mm -hmm. pretty cool. It's very anthemic. Uh, as a matter of fact, this was like our senior trip song, which is funny because I'm pretty sure it came out a while before. Well, my senior trip was 2005, but like this is the song I associate with that. And uh, some of the things that stand out is, like I said, it's so much poppier than their other stuff. It's all the lyrics are even much more hopeful. Like all the other songs about like losing something or walking away. And this song is like, if I could find you now, things would get better. We could run forever. Like this is like the born to run of the early two thousands. And I say that as somebody who hates Bruce Springsteen. 
it's a it's definitely a sweet song it's got the 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 uh the violin is just it's got really good harmonies um i love the um the i guess it's the the bridge i don't know what it is but um i remember the look in your eye yes the bridge yes bridge I'm not, see look I'm, I'm learning musician terms hey. it's a bridge well, by the way um, the, the fact that you that. mentioned that i think this is the moment that makes the whole song we're coming right out of the bridge into the chorus oh then, when everything quiets down wait a sec what makes the whole goddamn song the pause yeah oh yeah the pause. <laughs> yeah it's um it's a really well done pop song it's this is the pop and the pop punk. I mean, it's 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 well done. I think you would ask us like, what do you think maybe is a cringy yellow card song? I understand that kind of the, the theme on the Kill Your Guns mm-hmm. podcast. It's hard to pick for some of these like from guys that love this type of music. Mm-hmm. A song maybe that didn't quote unquote age well. I just think this one got it got super played out. If you're if 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 you're like a diehard yellow card fan, like yeah, they're gonna close with this one. You know, you want to you want to hear some of the other stuff. Um, although I, I will say the best time I've ever heard this song played, uh, after Yellow Card broke up, there were some fans uh, in Philadelphia that organized, if you, if you pay Ryan X amount of dollars, like he'll fly out and he'll, he'll sing in your backyard and he'll sing somewhere. Oh, shit. And th- yeah, there were some Yellow Card fans uh, in, this, in this area that organized a private acoustic show that for Ryan Key. So it was at the Voltage Lounge, which is the oh, little yeah. spot right next to the electric, the electric factory. Um, and so he he rolled in, and at, just in this little Facebook group, there are eighty people there. Uh, in the Facebook group, they're like, everybody vote for your top three songs from each album, and we all did. And we didn't know what he would play, whatever. They, they came up with the money, they paid him, they paid the venue. He did a meet and greet beforehand, uh, got some, met him, got some shit signed by him. But he literally played the three top songs that we picked from every single album. Um, and then this one was the last one. And him playing this alone acoustic was beautiful. It was really, really well done. Um, I'll send you a YouTube link. I'm sure it's somewhere. And we oh, can, yeah. uh, you can share it or something. I would check that out. You know what's so fucking funny? Just last night, I told you I was trying to make YouTube videos now, and I was looking through old video files. I found a video of me doing stand-up somewhere, and I could not pick where the fuck I was doing stand-up. And it was at Voltage Lounge. You just reminded me. They had an open mic there for like a week, and then everybody caught COVID because it was way before they should have been doing that yet. But uh, so, yeah, you mentioned, yeah, they didn't really... They didn't really age badly. Uh, I, I'm actually looking forward to doing a deep dive on Yellow Card. I don't have much to shit on. However, if we're talking about aging poorly, we now have two bands to talk about where age affected them very poorly. We're going to start with Brand New. Again, I don't know much about Brand New. For whatever reason, they were just like, I I was out just as they were coming in. I was the same thing with like uh, Taking Back Sunday. I Taking Back Sunday does not mean anything to me because i just miss them when they were around um yeah so you know with this band here I, i'll kind of start things off because I, I i've taken a i've taken a really really deep liking for this band ever since doing a deep dive as of late i liked them obviously back in the day but i really got a chance to get exposed to all of their all of their uh, current material all of their material actually um 
And it's just so funny with this band how much they change from album to album. So, mm-hmm. you know, they started with what some may consider, you know, punk rock, you know, poppy punk album, and then shifted from there to something completely different mm-hmm. in Deja and Tandu. And then com- something completely different in Devil and Gods. And then it just continued down the line. Um, they did get harder as time goes on, but the sound changed. So it was really interesting to see the evolution of this band from where they started to where they ended. But the I, I think that the whole thing about it was is they stayed pretty consistent in terms of the level of quality. And if you like this band, no matter how much they changed their sound, to me, I think you would continue to like this band. I know I did. Okay, yeah, I need to definitely look into them. I think part of the reason I looked up, uh, so their second album, Deja and Tandu, that's what broke them out. I was curious, so I looked up uh, in French. It means already heard. Um, aesthetically, it was very different from pop punk at the time. Like they're, you know, the 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 fo- the cover of that. It looks like it looks like it could have been like a Mudvayne album co- cover. It missed like a lot of the cutesiness that uh, I really felt I really associated with pop punk. Well, yeah. I I think that, you know, you talk about you talk about kids and I just say kids cuz obviously, you know, late teens, early 20s mm-hmm. that were into pop punk in this time frame and bought the first brand new album. Uh they liked all those other bands that were out, I don't know, like like New Found Glory, like Blink-182, whatever, you know, you mm-hmm. name them. And then they get this album, Dejan Tandu, and they put it in their CD player. And I think a lot of them probably at first were were like, "What is this? Like, mm-hmm. What are we? What are we listening to? This is not That's exactly what I said. This isn't brand new, or this isn't what I thought what brand new was going to be." Mm-hmm. So I mean, I think that was definitely the initial reaction to this. But I think that once this album permeated, and even with those same, we'll call them just scene kids, but anybody that was into this type of music, once it permeated. And it, you gave it a chance to really sink in. It's such a good album. It's such a good album from front to back. So, okay. Um, I, I, I have some history with them. Unless you want to, unless you have some facts you want to go through. Uh, I, I really don't have much on them. I have they're from Long Island, which I felt was a strange area for pop punk. Usually, we get a lot of California, a lot of Florida, uh, places where it doesn't get cold. But yeah, here they are. And the only thing I have, and we'll, you know what, say your thing, because the next, the next fact is not all that fun, and it needs some discussing. That's okay. So. I'll, I'll go back and do, like, a little bit of, so yeah, these, there was a huge, um, there was a huge, I grew up on Long Island, so I'm very familiar with the geography, mm-hmm. but um, as, when I was there in high school, uh, I didn't really know ba- Brand New Taking Back Sunday. These are now two of the biggest, you know, Long Island pop punk emo bands around, okay? Mm-hmm. And they were best they they were best friends. The guys from actually Jesse Lacey used to be in Taking Back Sunday. So they have a huge uh, like connection, Brand New and Taking Back Sunday. And I definitely got way into them, but it was like after I had I left Long Island, I went to Penn State, so I was far away. So there's this huge like Long Island punk scene that was brewing like right under my nose and I didn't know about it. Uh, I happen to find your favorite weapon, which is Brand New's first album, and that's a pop punk album. There's nothing else you can call it. That's a pop punk album. Mm-hmm. I was at like a, you know, like a head shop, like a hippie shop that sells like fucking mm-hmm. tapestries and patches that you could sew on your backpack or whatever. I was there, and this CD was literally on the counter. I had never heard of them. I didn't know what the fuck it was, but I was like, all right, I'll buy this CD. And I'm like, Jesus, like I felt like I, I uncovered this, this like, I don't know, 
this something that I connected with a lot. Jesse Lacey is the lead singer. He has got a lot. He has got a lot going on in his head. He's he's a very talented lyricist. He is a good, very talented musician, but he's had demons his entire life. Mm-hmm. I feel like he has this relationship with their fans where he wants to, I feel like he's fucking with us. It's like, all right, <laughs> your favorite weapon is a pop punk album. I love that album. As Chris said, Dejan Tendu comes out. What the fuck is this? I didn't see this coming, but Dejan Tendu is a great album. I mean, it is, again, the lyrics, the musicianship, everything is really good about that album. The one after that, they were about to release that album, and half of it got leaked, and then they scrapped it, and then they re-released it. Ooh. Devil and God, again, I feel like, so to me, Dejan Tendu and Devil and God are kind of in the same vein, um, similar, similarly put together. And then Daisy is like, he's like fucking screaming. The first song on this album is him screaming at the top of his lung, We Need Vices. Um and so all along, he's basically saying to his fans, like, oh, you think you know what brand new is? Well, this isn't brand new. We are going to mm-hmm. continuously grow up and evolve as musicians and put out different shit. And for the longest time, I, Chris, I remember getting Dejan Tendu. I was going from Long Island back to college uh, with my one buddy who we would drive in his uh, Honda Civic and we would drive to and from State College. And I put the CD in and I listened to it the first time. I'm like, what? is going on this isn't the only song that sounds like a brand new song is um quiet things that no one no one ever knows that's the only one Mm -hmm. but then you listen to it twice and three times and four times and it just it's it sinks in i think that's exactly what you said it's it's sunk in yeah and for me i didn't like albums three and four at all I, i i was like these albums suck i don't like them i'm just gonna like these first two albums and something happened where Starland Ballroom, brand new, they, they, they say, all right, we're going to do two shows on the West Coast. We're going to do two shows on the East Coast. This is like 2011, 12 maybe. And during the two shows on each coast, we're going to play at each show two full albums. But you have no Ooh, idea nice. which albums you're going to see. So they're going to play Long Island night one. They're going to play Starland Ballroom, New Jersey night two. One of the nights, they're going to play uh, Your Favorite Weapon and Dejan Tendu. The other night, they're going to play Devil and God and Daisy. And I'm like, shit, I'm not going to know what I'm going to go see. You're but... really gambling with your money there. So I literally listened to those two albums for two months straight until <laughs> I made myself like them. And then I got <laughs> lucky and I got to see the albums that I like. But overall, listen, Brand New has had, we're not even talking about science fiction, which they released the last one. I feel like that's kind of a mix of all their genres. Mm. But they're not, they're not really pop punk. They're probably closer to emo. They're, you could say that they're um, just indie rock they're they're hard to put in a box you're smiling what do you have i don't i don't think that's true i don't think they're indie rock at all i I mean i I think that they i think that they've created you know not their own genre but it mixes so much together and it changes just he he implements so much different stuff uh i I don't know it's hard to put a genre on this band and i'm okay with that i'm okay with that and i don't really think he's fucking with anybody i think that he's just such a he, he he's just such a great musician and he's able to to create these types of songs that are so different but they're so good no matter what he does you know yeah, what I, I mean so i i really respect bands that do not kowtow to the audience's uh expectations whereas with like no listen i am i am the artist i am the driver come along just kind of trust me like 
one of my favorite bands, uh, Mr. Bungle, they were well known that if they didn't like what the crowd was doing during a live show, they would play Tony Bennett songs for the rest of the concert if the fucking crowd didn't start stop acting like assholes. It's great. And yeah, I wouldn't really put them as indie rock just because indie rock is so associated with me to like not rocking. It's it, it, like indie rock tends to just be like ambient music with guitars. It's usually not hard at all. This stuff is pretty heavy. Yeah, like metal, uh, not not quite metal, but like even like the post-hardcore genre, but not quite. You know, it has a mix mm. of all of that completely. Well, and it's... Po- post-hardcore is such a broad it is. spectrum. That's another thing that's really ungoogleable. I love the band At The Drive-In, which are a huge post-hardcore band, but like they don't sound anything like other post-hardcore bands. So what do you... Oh, I like post-hardcore. What does that mean? And there's so many subgenres of that. And, mm. you know, there's... <laughs> Have you heard of crunk core, by the way? Do you know what that is? Yes. <laughs> and the less said about it, the better. You know what? Hold on. I'm calling an audible. We're 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 gonna we're gonna pull up some crunk core. We're gonna let's, pull up some crunk core here. Um, fuck. What were what was the name of their really bad? I mean, they were all really bad. Broken side. Yes. Broken side. It is. Usually if it ends in core, I just, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Like, I, I metal lost me overall when they got to, like, metalcore, deathcore. That's when it was no longer really working as much for me. All right, hold on. I, gotta, I need a producer for this show. This is a lot for one guy to be doing. But uh, <laughs> we're getting through you should, this. You should rate that ad highly. Yes, yes, I should. So uh, let's listen to Broken Side. Jesus. Uh, nothing good. Ugh. Could we just get rid of Florida? Because that's where all this stuff comes from. But aren't these just <laughs> like a bunch of like pop punk scene guys that are just, just singing with, with like a rap beat behind them? Isn't that kind of what it is? I mean, well, they're also, they're, they're screaming too. I mean, to be honest, this is kind of what the, the, they were very much progenitors of like, what a lot of these modern bands are doing as far as like uh particularly like the the mum well not not the mumble rappers but like the soundcloud guys where you're getting people who are mixing who were big time fans of pop punk and now they're mixing it with like hip hop because I feel like they don't Machine Gun Kelly. Yeah. Don't don't even go there. One credit I will give to the kids today is it's not like when we were in high school where like the band on your t-shirt kind of determined where you were in the social strata. It feels like everybody listens to everything now. Yeah. I'm so far removed from that. Chris is close. Cause Chris, Chris has a daughter who's in high school. So he might know a little bit more uh, about what the kids are like where um, I'm Chris, so far. I can't even remember. I, I don't see that as much though anymore. Like I'm not even, obviously I'm not in the high schools. Uh, that would be weird, but um, I, I don't necessarily see kids wearing band shirts as much. I, I see, throwback stuff a lot i see nirvana mm. metallica def leopard yeah they sell uh, that at kohl's <laughs> one of one of the hardest struggles of my adult life is to stop wearing band shirts like why uh, it, it's just there's a certain one of my frequent gripes i talk about in comedy is particularly our generation refusing to grow up a lot 
and I guess it's kind of it's kind of yelling at my friends, but also myself. Of just, yes, all your as you gesture to your is that all He Man or what? What is that back there? You're the I, only you're the only one that has gotten that. Yes, sir. It is all He Man. Most of it, anyway. I think the, the one in the second top shelf, furthest to the left, kind of gave it away. It looks a little bit like He Man. Yes, sir. But uh, I don't know. I I just. I rebel against that so much. And I guess it's tr me trying to hold myself to my own standards. That's a little bit what this podcast is. It's like this whole podcast started as uh, I hate infinite jests, which is a book that some people are crazy about. I never got it. And it really was like, listen, love the thing you love, but admit the bad parts of it. That's what I really wanted for this podcast was people to be like an in-depth, like I love this thing so much. This part's kind of dumb. You know? Yeah. Makes I learned sense. that a long time ago when I started to put pop punk playlists on at like New Year's parties or something, and I was the only fucking one that liked it. And I realized <laughs> a long time ago that people don't really like it, but I love it. So I don't, I mean, mm. I, uh, I, will, I now will offer the, uh, the playlist up to other people because uh, I don't want to be the one who's, you know, shoving uh, covers of You Ought to Know down people's throats. <laughs> uh, but yeah um I, I that's that's fun listen i think pop punk is a fun thing but if you're a huge fan of it but you don't see why people might think it sucks then that's um i guess it's kind of on you <laughs> all right let's get into some of these songs i'll i'll save the last talking point for after this because yeah. we know although you guys have been making it not easy for me saying things like well i haven't been in the high schools lately like jesse Lacey has but oh. uh, ooh, ooh, oh, too my. soon i don't know yeah, it, too soon. He didn't wait long enough. That's the problem. Okay. That's not good. Uh, let's listen to this first song, 70 times 7, which, uh, by the way, I feel very compelled to say 490. That's what that equals. Okay, let's listen. Oh, okay. Such a great song. <laughs> Look, he's talking to himself. He's writing lyrics, talking to himself. And by the way, the fact that my name is also Jesse, I immediately relate to this. Oh, yeah. Of um, you should. As yeah. You should. Which one of you uh, picked that song? That's me. All right. Yeah. Tell, tell us what it, what it does for you. This, this song has story behind it. Uh, not my story, but it has story behind it. So Taking Back Sunday and Brand New... Uh, as I had mentioned, they were close friends in high school, uh, meaning Jesse Lacey and John Nolan from Taking Back Sunday. And um, something happened where John Nolan, the guy from Taking Back Sunday, the guitarist, background vocalist, like, I don't know, slept with or hooked up with or something, Jesse Lacey from Brand New's Girlfriend. Mm. And this is a song that was straight up written about the guy who, like, stole his girlfriend. And mm. it's... It's an incredibly put together song, first off. It starts off with a couple of verses that are really fast pop punk, right? That what we just listened to. If it happened and wasn't enough, I gotta go. You know, it's mm. really fast. And then there's this guitar riff, dun, 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 and it just, it just calms down. And it's super slow and super chill. And then he just starts in with this lyric Is that what you call a getaway? Tell me what you got away with. I love left, that line. Right? Tell me what you got away with. I've seen more spine and jellyfish. I've seen more guts in 11-year-old kids. Have another drink and drive yourself home. I hope there's ice on all the roads. And you can think of me when you forget your seatbelt. And again, when your head goes through the windshield. 
and then there's the core everyone's caught on to everything you do this is like you stole my girlfriend fuck you i'm gonna yeah. write this fucking song for everybody and fuck you that's what the song is See, but it's I, had, I, I had one additional lyric in there too so don't apologize i hope you choke and die search yourself or something with which to hang yourself yeah, ah. shoelace belt um towel sheet i don't know bed sheet i don't know but he's this this is an angsty teenager okay this is not i'm oh, yeah. not saying that these lyrics are like poetry i mean they kind of are but they're they're angsty pissed off teenage they're really good lyrics. for what they are i mean even here you're as subtle as a brick in the small of my back just ah. so this song such a, this is my favorite brand new song by far and um a lot of good harmonies like i said they, they do a slowdown they do if you know there's a lot of different tempos but so after this song comes out taking back sunday writes a writes a song to answer this called there's no i in team to respond mm -hmm. these to are, these accusations these are diss tracks so if you're if you're thinking back to like 2002 or three i forget exactly when this was there's no there's like google and wikipedia these things don't fucking exist so if you're like a scene kid and you learn like oh man there's a fight between jesse lacy and john nolan from take brand new versus taking back sunday you you can become like obsessed with trying to figure out like what happened all you mm -hmm. have is like fucking myspace and there's not a lot of articles being writ uh, written about this kind of stuff so uh, the allure of the song uh the, you know the what is behind this song as well as the lyrics and the way it's portrayed and and put together makes it hands down my favorite brand new song i love it right i i would also say i like even if it is tangentially related to stealing a girl um one of the worst things in pop punk for me is that it's always about a girl so i like that this one is even taking that slightly different take of fuck the guy who took my girl you know that's right it's about it's about a girl and it's about getting the fuck out of your hometown don't forget that one if mm -hmm. i could leave this town and run forever <laughs> and I, I, I hate to jump ahead a little bit but i remember uh reading my dad had a subscription to rolling stone when i was a kid and i remember when they were doing the hype for newfound glory sticks and stones it said right there in the article like oh yeah the last album was all about this one girl but this album's all about this other girl. <laughs> and even at like 16 years old, I'm like, that's, well, I was 16. So I said like, that's fucking gay. But that feeling is still what I mean. Like, that's just like, guys, kind of, shouldn't you be writing about like having a mortgage or something at this point? Like, this is a lot. They don't, we, let's, let's not have them write about mortgages. We'll talk about that when we get to them. Okay. Okay. Yeah, they might as well. <laughs> All right, uh, real quick, let's get into Okay, I Believe You, But My Tommy Gun Don't. Again, kind of a progenitor of these super long, ironic song titles that would come in with the Fallout Boys and the My Chemical Romances. Oh, they had many of them. They did? They Ooh. did. Okay. They did. All right, let's take a listen. These people glad to be where they are. If ever they're there. So already, this doesn't sound pop punk. It sounds so different from the last song. Oh, yeah. About who I don't want to write about anymore. Hope you come down with something they can't diagnose. Fuck. Have the cure for. That is such a good line. Let's just listen to this. Let's just abandon the podcast and listen to brand new, guys. Keeping quiet is hard. 
Okay, Chris, you picked that one uh, again. Okay, I believe you, but my Tommy gun don't, which I believe is a quote from one of the uh, Home Alones. I, I, I don't know that. Is it? Is it? Because I, that's what I believe in my head, by the way, when I when I think about this song, but I'm not sure that, that ex it's exactly true. I hope it is. I, I, I think it's from uh, Angels with Dirty Faces. I will look that up. But yeah, tell me tell me what this song does for you. I'll tell you what. I mean, so this is a song originally when uh, when I started really getting into Dejan Tandu that um, kind of slipped past me because obviously this is this is right before you know their mega hit, the quiet things that no one ever knows. Um, I would kind of just listen to this and think it was fine getting into the next song, but as I really listened to this song as we just did right there mm -hmm. the lyrics are so great but on top of that that guitar so just the, the the journey that this song takes you on from when it starts it just it's just such a smooth intro his voice kind of is is just as smooth as that guitar moving you through you know the chorus and then all of a sudden it just hits you. I'm sorry, into the chorus, into the verse for, to the chorus is where it just hits you. And it just blows up in the song, you know. It's such a cool song to sing along to. Um first first glance, you're like, what the hell is he talking about? Like I don't I don't have any idea. But obviously, you know, we're back to the same like angsty. Obviously, there's some there's some angst in there. Maybe it was about a girlfriend. I don't know. But I know like, you know, starting off it's kind of like uh, more of like an e egotistical uh, standpoint from him. I'm heaven sent. Don't you dare forget. I'm all that you ever wanted. What the other boys all promised. Uh, it's <laughs> it's like okay, dude. Whatever, right? You know, you're a rock star. We get it. But then it kind of goes from that into some other things. But overall, it's the music, Jesse, that really took me on this particular song. Yeah, it's has a very interesting sound, kind of. It's kind of like it's building, but never quite explodes, which uh, I like. It's it's nothing but tension. I love that, though. I love it. And it keeps you going through the whole song. Mm -hmm. So, And real quick, I think I found the origin of... Uh... I'm looking for a young man. All right. I believe you. But my tummy can don't. That's right. Down on your knees and tell me yeah. you love me. <laughs> Home Alone 2. Home Alone 2. <laughs> I love it. Mm. Okay, we're good. again, it's so hard to not just like, let's just watch this scene instead. <laughs> uh, that's, that's fantastic. So I was um, right the whole time. I'm happy. Yeah. I would like to, that, that song felt like it was about a girl. Do you not agree? Oh, yeah. It has to be. See, it has to be. I, I feel like I need to get a woman on one of these pop punk podcasts because I feel like women made up a huge chunk of like the fan base for these bands but they're writing songs about how fucking horrible they are. And I get that. I get that feeling as like a teen boy of just like the, these epic feelings of like, this bitch has betrayed me like, like a fucking Greek God. And now it's like, no, she liked the other guy because he, you know, doesn't mope in his bedroom all the time. Like, how could she? I think maybe this song too comes from the standpoint as him as a rock star meeting a girl and I, I don't know i'm trying to to see it that way because he talks a lot about like i'm the best thing ever that's the way you should see me because it's true you know i write songs that make girls you know panic things like that um but then like he starts getting into holding grudges so don't, don't necessarily steve i don't know if you have any other thoughts on that but i, I just i don't i don't know 
this, this this is the one where it has the lyric i um I'm paid to make her. I would kill for yes. the Atlantic, but I would. I am paid to make girls panic while I sing yes. or scream. I love. I love that lyric. Um, yeah, I think. I think the song is. I think it's about him. It's about him with with a female and his his you know relation to them. And yeah, it could be because he was. They were getting bigger and they were touring. Um, but again, the Long Island thing, like you know, I would the whole like you know killing for the Atlantic. Um, you know, he he writes about. He drops down that, breaks down that that fourth wall a little bit, and, and puts you in his in his place. I, I think maybe it's about a girl back home, who he thinks who's who's really into, and he thinks in his head, man, I'm a I'm a rock star now. Like she's definitely gonna be into me. Like there's no way she's not. Mm. And maybe mm. she's not. She's like, dude, I don't care about you. Like whatever. I like that take. <laughs> I like that take, especially. And again, this goes along with the high school pop punk feel, where it's like. If I could only do X, then obviously I would get everything and everyone I ever wanted in any capacity. And then having to realize, no, some some people just aren't going to like you. You know, deal yep. with that. Yep. All right. So this one we picked out for the cringe factors. This would be the song Bed. It's hard so, to listen to this one. It's hard yeah. to we had this discussion when we talked about brand new. We posed the question. We had a couple of guests on who were like big brand new fans. And we were like, does knowing the shit that went down, and we don't know everything that went down. We know a little bit. The, the shit that went down with Jesse Lacey, does that make you not want to listen to his music or listen to anything brand new? Does you know we're in a we're in a very woke society, and I'm not going to say that we're woke or we're not woke or whatever. I feel stupid even saying that word, but mm -hmm. you know the fact that he is admitted that he had you know i don't know exactly what it is he was you know well, you chatting the, 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 this might be the time to actually get into that last note since i think we're going to talk yeah. about it and it's obviously going to bleed into the next one uh in 2017 brand new surprise released their fifth album science fiction went to number one on billboard unfortunately their victory was short-lived as news soon followed that frontman jesse lacy was a uh, doing exchanging pictures with some underage myspace girls back in the day they literally canceled the big tour and never rescheduled it which is such yeah they went underground that's such a fucking greek tragedy that like they had this huge thing their first number one which is still huge even in this day and age without physical stuff and then this breaks out and then they're just gone gone and he didn't put it's... up he he just apologized for it i don't even think he really denied it he put up a statement Mm -hmm. they, yeah, not he put up a statement. I'm I'm not going to paraphrase or anything like that. Admitting to you know the things that he may have done in the past and his transgressions were not uh, you know were not acceptable, and that was it. And yeah, they were gone. And you know what? It kind of fits the Greek tragedy that is brand new and the fucked up headspace that JC, Jesse Jesse has been in for his his career. But yeah, I mean he was exchanging photos or chatting with people through Skype or requesting photos for with girls who maybe he did know, maybe he didn't know, were underage, and then this was going on during their heyday, and then you know ten years later these these women come out and they tell their story, and listen, it's fucking gross, and that's mm. why this song like later on the bed, later on the bed, lied to all her friends, like I, I don't. Yeah, that, that doesn't. That 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 does not look good. I, I probably didn't look that great at the time, let alone with the context behind it now. The context is bad. And there's another yeah. song that's um, 
There's another song uh, called Sick Transit Gloria, Glory Fades off Deja Antendu, which is a very well-liked song in the brand new you know, fan fandom, fan community, whatever you call it. And that's another one where on one hand, you think that he might be writing about him losing his virginity, right? It, it's kind of about him. Uh, that, that, that's what the whole song is about. And the lyrics will, will point you in that direction. But it, it also begs to differ you know, is, is he being, um, is he being abused? Is usually when like a guy from the guy's perspective, if the girl takes control and is doing this, it's kind of like a haha, whatever, like, Oh, that's so cool. The, the girl is, you know, whatever, but he, he seems to be writing. He, he could have certainly been taken advantage of. And I think that, you know, through whatever it is, you know, sexual misconduct and probably drugs and alcohol. I'm just, I'm not, I'm sorry. I'm speculating, but mm. overall, I think that, uh, you know them them falling down does does impact my thought of them overall uh i i still i still have a lot of positive feelings about them from their early albums but but certain songs like this is this that that's cringe i don't even want to fucking hear that song right yeah yeah, yeah. No, I, I i i i will not let that situation deviate how i feel about this this band and their music because i think it's a separate thing in my opinion that does not endorse, you know, what may or may not have happened. Mm -hmm. Okay. But yeah, this particular song, you know, just based on the circumstances and you can look the music on this song. It's not too bad. I, I actually, I actually it, it, enjoy the tune. It's actually really interesting. Uh, structurally, they have a weird time signature on this where, you know, standard music, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. They actually add like a quick two step of like a one, two, three, four. Ba, ba, and yep. just a little thing like that can really like give a song room to breathe, make it stand out. But uh, just wish it wasn't such a rapey goddamn song it was happening on, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay. I think we're going to have to fucking jump on and off again. We're, we're having too much fun talking to each other here. I knew it was going to happen. That's okay. All right. So before we're going to get into New Found Glory now, who also have a similarly upsetting uh story involving underage girls so before we get into all the sadness i just want to make the point that newfound glory bassist ian grushka looks like the most insufferable person on the planet in every fucking photo i see of him and this girl i i remember first seeing the bass with the sticker on it that said 190 pounds of pimp and immediately going i do not like this man He's endearing. He used to be so fat and he used to like, he would always have his shirt off, just, just loving it. And then he lost a bunch of weight. And I guess he still does it. I don't know. It's good for him that he lost the weight. There's, I've known so many, uh, honestly, I've known a lot of people in pop punk bands. And this is the guy that's like, you know, Hey, we want to hang out and watch a movie. Like, nah, let's just be silly and fucking jump around and shit. <laughs> and I cannot look at him without remembering just every person I've ever known like that. He's, he's a guy that like in my opinion like really really works hard to try and be the funny guy in the room like as funny as he possibly can be and it's just just not it's yeah, just he, not he has a good presence on stage live i do think that a lot of bands fuck up by just like standing in place and not really doing anything and he's definitely for being such a, such a fat little fella he is putting he's burning calories up there running around sticking his tongue out you know Oh yeah, good stuff. They've always they've always had a great stage presence, and they're a weird band because like the front man, like Chad is the front man, the lead guitarist, but Jordan is the lead singer. So it's like the lead singer is not like the leader of the band. So he like doesn't say. It's like if you see Fall Out Boy and Patrick Stump is up there, he yeah. doesn't say shit. Pete yeah, Wentz is Pete the one Wentz talking is the to the crowd. 
And it, I find that odd, but they all come out with a lot of energy. They have all these like cover songs and they do like costume change. Like they, they come out with like fucking like, uh, they do a greatest showman song. They come out of magician, you know, in, in all different types of stuff. Uh, they're fun to see live for sure. See, that's funny that Chad Gilbert is like the leader of the band because I've always had the feeling that he's a little bit ashamed that he's the newfound glory guy because he's always had a more a hardcore background. He used to be the vocalist for Shy Halud, which uh, my own little shout out, shout out. My the guitarist from my high school and college band was actually their touring guitarist for like a European tour. So shout out Stefan. Yeah, but. Uh, especially in like the later days. You know what's funny? I had this such in my head, but I couldn't really find a lot of evidence for it. It felt like in latter Newfound Glory days, Chad Gilbert all of a sudden just started like, let's just do like tough guy shouting in our songs about girls. And it, they do some of that. it really bothered me. Like, I remember I had that same thought when I first heard Hawthorne Heights. Like, why are you screaming that Jenny won't go to the prom with you? This does not make sense <laughs> to me. You never did that. Cut my wrists, black my eyes, man. That's that's some classic shit. Uh, that, it, that's where it jumped the shark for me. Like, you need to imply the cut wrists and black eyes. It's just so on the nose. <laughs> well, they stopped, their, they stopped their screaming after one album because of an unfortunate death in the band. But and that's Hawthorne Heights, not Newfound Glory. They do, they do put in screams every now and then. But yeah, it's, I mean... But it, it is also different. Newfound Glory was more like the hardcore shouting. It wasn't the, the screamo stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for so, sure. I think maybe not without a fight that that kind of started a little bit more. But mm-hmm. they Newfound Glory, they got a lot of albums. They have been pumping out pop punk for like twenty plus years. I mean, they've got longevity in the scene, for sure. Oh yeah, they've been around forever. Starting with Nothing Gold Can Stay. Uh, their self titled was the big one for me. Even bigger than either of those, yeah. This might be the one band where an EP sticks out to me more than any of their albums. Screen to Stereo is a fucking gem. And especially, I don't know if it was happening before. I don't know necessarily the timeline on Me First and the Gimme Gimmies, but it really felt like 2000 Screen to Stereo kicked off the pop punk cover craze of the early 2000s. Yeah, Me First and the Gimme Gimmies didn't get uh, too much. Um, I don't think they got much steam outside of like Warped Tour because they would always play Warped Tour. They, they, but they started the pop punk cover thing. I fucking love it. And then, you know, all those um, Hopeless Records, Punk Goes 90s, Punk Goes 80s, Punk Goes Crunk, mm-hmm. that series st- came out too. But yeah, Screen to Your Stereo started. And then they did three of them. They've got three different albums yeah. of different lengths. Fucking length, Lisa, Lisa Loeb's on one of them, for God's sake, oh, covering yeah. her own song. Uh, for, for those of you who may be listening who aren't aware, Screen to Stereo was a seven-track EP that was just cover songs from movies. I don't want to miss a thing. Titanic, which I remember covering in my middle school music class on guitar. A lot of fun. And it's just a banger. I remember, God, it's crazy just to think of what's retro. This is fucking 20 years ago, and I remember having my retro Nintendo NES on a sick day playing fucking burger time on loop with screen to stereo also on loop. Just uh, great memories. Well, because people just love to hear that faster paced version of the song that they hear all the time. Like you hear that song on the radio all the time mm-hmm. during that time frame, and just hearing it different and faster and with that bubbly pop punk sound, 
it's attractive, right? And I think they yeah. they capitalized on that. Well, even their cover of Never Ending Story was fucking amazing. And also, this was at a time, it's just the beginning of Napster, where like you can't just go grab like you can't just have that song from that movie you liked when you were five. You could not just have that on a CD yet. So to have a pop punk version of that, it, you know, obviously it's killer. It's got great drums and guitars and all that. Which is uh, such, such a neat band that really they, they were very important to me for a very brief time and i felt like i outgrew <laughs> them in six months and uh, another reason i do i like doing the pop punk thing i have a friend of mine mr joe Gariffo. he was on episode one of this who never grew out of pop punk like even in the year of our lord 2021 i will go visit him he's like hey have you heard the new mxpx like no nobody has you you and their have, close family have, you guys keep up with it but <laughs> yeah new mxpx yeah. is good i actually did kind of like it yeah. So, yeah i guess that's a convo for another time it right. is it is but mxpx is a little bit different you know they just think they've uh their albums sound different where newfound glory's albums just don't um and i think that's the difference for me i'm not going to rip this band to shreds on this show so I'm going to be a little bit more uh, uh, constructive in my criticism, but I think overall you're right. You know, I think that they definitely hit things at a uh, at a time where you know people were into this kind of music and they had a really really good start with a couple great albums. Uh, but from there, after you know maybe Catal Sticks and Stones, Catalyst, I just feel like I don't know. It's kind of very samey uh, for me personally. I just I don't connect with this band because. I don't like the guy that talks or sings like he's holding his nose like this. Yeah. I don't like that. I'm pushing myself out, putting it. Ugh. I can I can feel the flap in my nasal passage that needs to close to make that noise. Right. I, I would say that most people, if they have the criticism, so most people who like pop punk, I feel like love Newfound, or at least like Newfound Glory. I mm. think most people that hate pop punk or think pop punk, su pop punk sucks, or think that all pop the singers sound like high pitched whiny assholes. This is who they're thinking of. I mean, on both uh, edges of that, both Tom, sides of that coin. Tom Delange has his flag planted firmly in that. You know, Where are That's you? That's a twang. That's, That's a twang. That's, That's not a. This this sounds like he got kicked and he'll make he makes his joke. During, <laughs> oh, how do you sing so high? Oh, I have Chad kick me in the nuts every every day before a show. It sounds like he got kicked in the nuts. I mean, it does. <laughs> all right. Uh, Let's start with this first song here, a song that did not age well and is very prophetic in kind of a bad way. Oh shit, this is going to be loud. I'm glad I checked all that. Okay. This song goes out to girls we haven't met just yet. This is a great, like, I like this girl and she doesn't like me. And I'm going into seventh grade next year. Uh, that that person can certainly relate to it. I don't know. I, I still like the song. I like most. Oh, it's still a catchy things. song. If you look at, for me, um, I, I love Nothing Gold Can Stay, Self-Titled, Six and Stones, Catalyst, Coming Home. After Coming Home, um, that one was released in 06. 
I, I kind of lost my, I, it started, it, it started all sound the same. And uh, you could, some people say that all newfound glory sounds the same, but I don't know. I was trying to think about like what kind of, what, what song of theirs is like cringy. I don't know. I guess a song about calling girls stupid and, you know, I mean, yeah, there, there is a, I, I've read some think pieces on it. Like the general sexism of pop punk, stupid girls, obviously it made me wonder like, do women really have an equivalent genre where like they just hate on dudes i i feel like teen girls get like dudes or scumbags in movies and tv but then i feel like guys also get that on tv and everywhere else i don't know it was just it was just okay to say fuck ladies i guess how, how about no i don't want no scrubs that's one yeah there's I mean, one i i think you know like you said this stupid girls thing obviously i don't think that we think the girls are stupid uh for the most part but you know, i'm just kidding i I, I love all girls, I guess. But <laughs> anyway, um, when you're a teen and, you know, you're t early 20s, whatever, you, you know, you you probably were in situations where girls made you feel terrible or whatever the case is. So obviously your mm -hmm. your initial defense mechanism is they're stupid. They're all stupid. They don't like me. I don't care. I hate them. So, I mean, that's why this connects with that. Um, it's not that you feel that way. It's not that you think girls are stupid. So I don't think that that's, that's bad. I don't think that's why this is cringy. Because I think we all felt that at some some, some point in time in our lives, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, whether it was teens or even in our 20s when we felt, oh, whatever, like, I'll just talk to a new girl tomorrow or the next day. There's tons of them out there. Like, you know, that's just the mindset that you had. So oh, yeah. I, I think it was just a timepiece thing. That's all. I mean, I, I do think part of the cringe factor for me is also just the like, oh, I can't believe I ever really felt that way. Yeah. Because a lot of it is just looking at it from such a selfish point of view. It's like, oh, you didn't understand women because you didn't try to understand women. And then you were mad that you couldn't understand women. Yep. So I, yeah. I will say that this particular song, though, it, uh, they, I think that they're, they're aware of what this song is. I feel like it's them poking fun about the situation. Because if you think about the beginning of the song, it's this weird little conversation. Oh, okay, do you see that guy over there? Oh, da, da, he's so weird. And then, and then you hear the guy go, Hey, so, so, uh, can I call you? And so I think they're making fun of themselves mm -hmm. about like the, the whole thing I think is poking fun of themselves, but, but still, you know, I mean, for me, the, the, the cringiest line is this in this song is listen to what I have to say about it. You've got to watch out for the younger ones. And, uh, Ooh, Steve, little, little prophet Steve right there. They'll tightly wrap you around the little fingers. Yeah, little girls and fingers would not be a good recipe for Steve Klein. So yeah, not me, Steve. No, just yeah. put no, the record. Not you, Steve. Steve Klein. Set the record straight. No, put a last fucking name on that one. The the guy the guy with the hat. Oh wait, you're also wearing a hat. Fuck. Um, Shit. Steve Klein was the, was the hat guy in the group. So yeah, Steve Klein in uh, I think this was like 2013 was supposedly he got charged for child pornography and all kinds of shit we didn't so uh chris you actually didn't hear this, this is, we were talking about this when we were having some technical difficulties me and steve mm -hmm. uh we don't hear anything about this for years and then very recently the case gets like figured out and steve klein speaks publicly publicly for the first time in eight years i kind of feel for the guy i i think he got kind of fucked over like this is this one is weird I, you don't want to defend somebody who's on a sex offender registry but uh, his explanation is pretty much like I had a marriage that was falling apart at the time. 
I was using a lot of chat roulette for like pretty much mutual masturbation sessions with strangers. Mm -hmm. And I saved some videos of this, which I shouldn't have, but my wife found them on a hard drive when I was out on tour and she called the police. So the one thing I didn't know in the, I'm sorry to get all true crime here. We can get off this, but uh, that we weren't aware of that came out when he made this announcement. There was never a victim. It's not like there was people saying like Steve Klein did so-and-so there were girls in these videos that apparently you couldn't even see their faces that a doctor came in and said like, Oh, well, they're flat chested and they don't have pubes. So they're probably 11. Like there was no victim at any point saying I demand justice. This was his wife kind of dragged him to court and like, wouldn't let him have custody of his, like use this as like muscle in their divorce. And then, I, and then newfound glory. They just said, you're out, you're out. We're done. Yep. They didn't want to listen to it, he which listen well, to, to them. You, you got to kind of, I understand both sides here. I mean, if you're a band at the height of your popularity or still, you know, chugging along, making money, putting out records, going on tour, hmm. you don't want to have to defend or explain anything. So they hmm. just said like, you're out, dude. And but they're not much, they just, just got fucking out. It just got cleared up now. The The public narrative for eight years is the guitarist for Newfound Glory is a pedophile. And he couldn't yes. speak to put his side out there because it was openly in there. They can't just like, we're going to let it, we're going to let him do his power chords in the background while all this gets sorted out. That right. shit ain't going to fly. Right. I mean, I'm, look, a part of that is because it's 2021. I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but I mean, I think that like Steve said, you know, nowadays when you have that happen and you're in the public eye and that's associated with you, you know, you're, you have a, you run the risk of people just turning their backs or canceling or whatever the case is. So that's probably why they decided to, uh, to part ways to just, to just distance himself from any kind of controversy related to this, t this type of subject, you know, regardless of the situation and r right mm -hmm. or wrong. I mean, again, you're, you got some good points based on the facts. And I think that's the important thing, but I don't know. I mean, if Jesse, if you were in the band, if you were newfound glory, like, you know, mm -hmm. what would you have done different? If, if, if he gives me that full explanation right then and there, and I can corroborate that it would probably be a, uh, like, sorry, dude, you, you, you gotta go, you know, you gotta go. We'll, we'll work out some deal where like you always get a cut of the merch and like royalties, but you know that th this fucks up our whole brand and this brand is like what my what my kids are putting clothes on their backs you know exactly livelihoods right you put your livelihood at risk for something like that you can't you just can't mm -hmm. do it so yeah so that's all i would I... say differently differently a different comparison than with brand new Maybe because brand new, it's like the lead singer, and it was like mm. that's the end of the band. Lead singer and the guy who makes the music, shit comes out. This is a this is the, the you know the second guitar. It's so he's or the rhythm guitar, whatever he's playing. He's uh, you know he's out replaced like Ryan Key is is now in Newfound Glory. Mm -hmm. um, you know I, I this doesn't change the way that I felt about any of the other Newfound Glory songs. Maybe it's just because he wasn't the main guy. He's not writing the music. Um, actually, and, from, what I, mean, I, from now, what I understand, he was actually pretty involved in the writing, I thought. I thought Chad did most of it, but I mean, I'm not in these sessions. I don't I don't know. I heard um, I heard him do he there's another podcast called Krista makes a podcast. Krista makes from uh, Less Than Jake. He hmm. interviews a lead singer or someone in a band and they talk about one song and its entirety. 
hmm. and they just had on uh, Chad and he discussed My Friends Over You. It was a great episode. Um, but you do take it. There definitely is a lot of collaboration, but it, it, it always kind of starts with, uh, with one of them. But I, my whole point and and how can you sit there? And I'm I'm not saying that I believe either way. I, I'm just asking the question: How can you? How can people turn their backs on on brand new based on that situation, and basically say with this, well, the guy's gone, so let's continue to love New Found Glory. How is that okay? I don't know if I have the answer for that. I I I think it does come down to whether you look at somebody as a group or as an individual, it seems like Jesse Lacey is so indicative of the entirety, like every lyric, if not written by him, is spoken by him. There is that human contact. You can you can disconnect from yourself from the guy who goes, in the background, maybe. I, I don't know. It's tricky. A lot of it does just come down to human psychology and really just like, it just because. Although, real quick, uh, fun fact that doesn't involve child abuse in some way. Um, you just you just pit mentioned uh, my friends over you. I, for years, misheard that lyric. For, for 15 years, I only just found out I was mishearing. That song never made sense to me because I thought the lyric was, I still think my friend is over you. And it seemed like such a weird place for the narrator to place himself in the song. It, it seemed to me like he, like his friend's girl was talking to him like, you know, you need to make him talk to me. Like, oh, I still think my friend's over you. And it's such a weird position only to find out I'd still pick my friends over you. He's talking to his own girl. And boy, did I feel stupid for 16 years <laughs> in retrograde uh or your mind was just blown one or the other right it was a little bit of a mix it's, it, shame can feel like blowing sometimes <laughs> okay uh next song down. on here this is from the first album and this is never snows in florida which one of you picked this that's my that's my number one newfound glory track all from right the early from the early days I actually, I don't even have any notes on it. I just, I just liked the song. So let's just listen for a second okay. and you can tell us what's so great about it. I will. Damn it. I love pop punk in Florida, man. Mm-hmm. So what what is the meaning of that title? Without you, it will never snow in Florida. Listen, this is um, just like a, for me. This was always a long distance relationship song. Um, you know, mm. if he's there on tour, um, or or the girl is away from him, it's all about a girl. All these fucking songs with Newfound Glory, they're about a girl. They added out an EP called "It's All About the Girls." Like that was their first thing that they put out. I mean, yeah. they're they're upfront about that, but. Um, I think for me, you know, when I was in high school or when I first went to college I, and even in throughout college, I had a couple of like, you know, long distance relationships and you, and I've also, I have a relationship with the state of Florida, you know, like my grandparents live there, my best friends moved down there. So I've been back and forth there. I think that line, unfortunately, without you, it'll never snow in Florida. I don't know. It just kind of hits me as, as that long distance song. It's, it's a sweet thing saying like, you know, I miss you. Um, 
and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to stick with this. It starts off. The first line is, you know, distance means nothing to me. It only makes me want to see you longer. Mm. So for me, it's like, I don't know if you guys had a long-term relationship. Usually they don't work out. None of mine actually worked out, but well, long that distance. Doesn't mean... yeah, I'm sorry. Long distance. You said long-term. Oh yeah. Long distance. That's what I mean. I have a long-term relationship that's working out, but I'm, long I'm distance married, relationships. So, yeah. yeah. Those, those never worked out, uh, but <laughs> it wasn't for, for lack of trying, you know, mm. and I don't know. It always was an endearing song to me. Okay. Nice. Nice. Um, so I think we only have one more here and this is one that I picked out. This one ugh, has such an embarrassing story behind it. And that would be uh ballad of the lost romantics here let's take a little listen here to the great chorus this uh closes out the self-titled album yeah here's to us fools that have no meaning this is like you know end of the night everybody's toasting mm -hmm. like this was like the perfect like that that should play over the final credits of like a lesser American Pie sequel, you know, <laughs> American Pie six. Yes. Um, so I uh, the guy I mentioned before, Joe Garifo, I met him at an age where I was like at college. I was done with this. I was nothing but metal, which made me very endearing to the ladies. Um, he still loved Newfound Glory and Ballad for the Last Lost Romantics was the one song I would admit like. That's still a good song. That's still a good song. Um, Joey ended up getting a tattoo that says, here's to us fools. And uh, I got the tattoo as well. You know, I'm going to do something uncomfortable and I'm not going to be able to hear you guys while I do this. I'm going to see if I can get this tattoo on camera. I can't hear you. So any Chris, shit. We didn't sign up for a strip show. Did we? we need, we need a drum roll or something. Oh Let's gosh. see if I can find. No, it's on this side. That's I can't the, uh, hear a word they're saying. All right. Here's to us. Does his just say fools? I don't know what to say. Here's to us fools, yeah. I say. Look it's at like that. In a, it's like in a wooden... I'm just going to leave my shirt off for the rest of this podcast. Hope you guys don't mind. Wow, this I turned do... into a different type of podcast. We don't do we all have, have a choice. This is this... <laughs> I don't think we have a choice here. So... In tribute to Steve Klein, I think we should all have a little fun on these webcams. Should we should we take our shirts off too, or is that weird? I don't I, know. I won't make you guys do that. Just uh, right. don't rat me out. Um, so uh, Joey and, and those friends were filmmakers, and I basically volunteered to do their music. And the first song I wrote for one of their movies, I wrote a song called Here's to Us Fools, specifically so I could retcon and say I didn't have a newfound glory tattoo. There you go. I stole the lyric and went from there. Very nice. It's still a good lyric. I don't have a newfound glory tattoo. I have a MXPX tattoo, but that's uh that's the only band one I got. Is that any place you can get on camera without disrobing? Yeah, I mean I'm already as disrobed as it's more about if I'm if I can fall over. Let's see. Ooh, the flannel knee length shorts are also a great pop punk look. Nice. Okay. Yeah, thank you. I only wear cargo shorts, just so you know. Wow, you look like you should be cargo shorts. You should be racing golf carts and raising mischief somewhere. I'm gonna go put on my vans and uh, attach my <laughs> chain link wallet and uh, and I'm gonna head down to Pac Sun. So nothing I can wrong some... with vans. Nothing wrong with vans. That's all I wear really. So I dude, I do miss pop punk fashion. And this uh, again, just 
whenever I see a girl wearing like throwback fashion a little bit, like just like a tight pack sun with like fucking cut off shorts to the knees, it's like, oh God, I remember those girls everywhere in my teen years. Yeah. You still, do you have the tendency to wear your cap up to the top and up a little bit to the side? Like, you know, like what's his name? You don't remember that, that trend in pop I, punk? Yeah. Yeah. I that was remember. a Tom DeLonge thing, wasn't it? Yeah. They brought, they, uh, again, go check out uh, punk rock NBA. But yeah, he actually made a very big point that a lot of like what we consider the pop punk look really came from like a mixture of like that San Diego culture of uh where they have like a lot of hispanic influence so you see like a lot of these guys they're they're dressed up like cholos basically because it bl it bled and intermingled so much in that southern california thing that you know fucking white kids in nebraska like oh i'm gonna dress like blink 182 who are dressed like hispanic gangbangers like it's you just get some jenko jeans that come down to my my shins <laughs> i never had jenkos That's i different. will give it that i you know what i'm impressed i'm impressed that like pants sagging with your ass hanging out is still a thing is it as some as somebody who lives in a major city and drives around it it is still a thing if i if it were not for the racial implications i 100 would just lean out my window like is it 1990 fucking six pull your pants up but <laughs> wow. I, but that's not that that is a fashion judgment i don't care what race it is but. Well, I forgot to wear a belt yesterday, and unfortunately, my pants... That was you there. I was yelling at! It okay. Was, yes. I was at Walmart. <laughs> That's where you saw me, so, yes. <laughs> I mean, if you don't want to get called out for your fashion choices, Walmart is the place to do it. It's true. All right. There Fellas, I feel like we knocked this one out. And there I'm... it is. Anybody, any, any other pop punk you want to you wanna throw at us? We're, we're ready to go. This is our, yeah. like, wheelhouse here. Um, I mean, I, I know uh, we already did the episode on Simple Plan just because I am so fascinated with how that band really feels like industry plants. That really felt like, let's just get some young, good-looking kids out here and a 50-year-old man is going to write songs trying to appeal to the kids of today. Or is that just Canada? I don't know. Maybe that might just be Canada. Different, it's just a different... Uh different type of uh, system i like the take though i like the take i think there's a lot of validity to that when you take a look at that band we haven't i haven't had the chance to deep dive into simple plan i know their music but i, I like that a lot so. um the other the other band i want to cover that uh I, I i think they're objectively not good but i like them anyway is bowling for soup the the jokey pop punk bands just feels so strange it's and well that's also another band where like they had other people write some of their songs so they might have been a little bit of not an industry plant but just like more more of a like you know oh so this is going to be sony's pop punk band and we're yeah. going to make sure they check all the boxes we want for the pop punk band on this label i think that there are a lot of people's guilty pleasure for sure to like this kind of music Mm -hmm. And just because it's just so sing-songy, people just, it sticks in their head. But uh, I don't know, something about this band. Uh, I don't know, Steve. I think that maybe we have a connection to this band somehow. Somehow, Something like that. The, the name of our podcast, one of the, one of the bigger mm -hmm. uh, Bowling for Soup songs is called High School Never Ends. So we, mm -hmm. we drew, drew some inspiration from that song. Not that they're our favorite bands or anything, but I don't know. I would definitely disagree with them being an industry plant just because if you listen to a lot of their shit, like if you listen to it throughout, it's sing-songy and it's jokey. I don't think any record label executive said, 
this is going to make us a shitload of money bowling for soup because mm-hmm. they did they uh they had a, they had one song that was nominated for a grammy and then oh they wrote songs that <laughs> that uh that made fun of that fact and mm-hmm. they they're still kicking it around and they they've uh crowdsourced um some of their some of their albums uh jared reddick the lead singer has he does like lots of different shit he's got like three different podcasts he's mm-hmm. um he does live streams throughout the, the whole pandemic. He's a busy dude. And, you you, you uh, might you might know this. I actually feel bad. Uh, why, why did the singer get so big? I randomly one day ser- searched fat guy and bowling for soup because I remember their guitarist was a very big boy, and now like the singer's bigger than him. And I don't I, I don't I don't want to shit on him, but I'm genuinely curious. He makes like jokes if you see them live. He's like, oh, if you haven't seen us in a while, you might think that I'm the guy that ate the lead singer from Bowling for Soup. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, it, I think it's probably, it, it's a little bit more of a serious discussion. I think he had some mental health problems and, mm. and eating and stuff like that. And he's open about it. Uh, and he certainly can poke fun at himself about it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he, he just went through some shit, some life. Mm. And, uh, and he got, he, he's a big dude now, for sure. Every time um, I go over my mom's house, she asks me why I got so big. You need to lose weight tells me that, so. <laughs> i don't have an answer i don't know why so maybe yeah, are, you, are, are you trying to be the bassist in bowling for soup or are they just slowly converting to a fat uh, guy band yeah i wasn't supposed to say anything but uh absolutely if i could play <laughs> they're bass. a fun one they're, they're fun because they um they, they, know, they are they, fun mo- people who like pop punk i feel like people you could be way too serious and be like they fucking suck and they make these jokes or you can just be like they're having fun I'll have some fun listening to it, and that would be that. So we're, oh, yeah. we haven't really talked about them yet, but we will soon. And uh, Super Plan with you. Uh, okay, awesome. And I will say one final thing. The band, because I, I don't think they did anything else that I could see being an industry plant. Uh, I haven't even thought of this name in years. Sugar Cult. Mm-hmm. I'm bouncing mm-hmm. off the walls again. Like, that feels definitely like we own the rights to this song. Get this studio musician and put mm-hmm. him in, like, fucking striped long sleeves, you know? Just, I liked Sugar Cult. Yeah, but you you love that bubble gum. You like that just super sweet bubble mm. gum pop the, punk, and that's what that is. Give it to me. There so is. But there... I, I actually i've I've had fights with people on what is the what's the Sugar Cult, what's the the number one Sugar Cult song? Is it that bouncing off the walls again, or is it Memory? They're yeah. like a two hit wonder in the pop punk. I Memory so much they better. Had another song. Yeah. This you should listen to never it. Never start. We could fall apart. Okay, you know what? We're we're clearly going to be able to have plenty to talk about on another podcast. So I say, let's put a bullet in this one's head and get on with our Saturdays with our loved ones and our families. Guys, this was a lot of goddamn fun. Um, High School Never Ends podcast. Again, anywhere on social media, we should find you guys. At HSNE pod. Everything's there. Check us out. Perfect. All right. Going to end this like I end every episode. We're going to stop recording, but you and I can still talk for six minutes and 25 seconds at the absolute most. Don't pay for Zoom. It's a ripoff. Bye.